Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Freel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. I got to be honest, I am very, very excited about this show. We have a return guest, which, uh, which we haven't done all that often, but it's somebody that on the first show, I was just totally blown away with the value that he provided, developed a relationship with, with him over the past God knows how many months. And, and honestly, I mean, uh, it, Dean's not in the studio yet. Yeah, he's still on the horizon galloping in. This is actually an on-air audition to replace Dean. So I'm hoping that it goes really well. But, oh, he's coming in now, galloping into the studio on his noble white steed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the one, the only, the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. <laughs> Gosh, I had to run fast at the last last stretch there. I heard about being replaced, and I just had to uh, jump a few fences. <laughs> a little sprint wouldn't hurt you now and then. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Mr. James? I am excellent. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to be here with our guest. Yes. Um, uh, How did you manage to get the legendary Bill Gates on the show? Like, I read all the notes. This is crazy. Right. So, th- so there's a little little mix-up. It's not oh. exactly Bill Gates. It's Bill Cates. Oh, um, but, I misread the show notes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm not. Well, surprised I'm even more excited it. now. Then I was thinking, <laughs> oh, this is going to be a bit of a dull show if Bill Gates is turning up. But uh. yeah, that, no, that's right. That's right. So, and and actually, as a matter of fact, I believe he's riding into the studio on his own horse. It's not a white noble steed, obviously, well, but course. it is a black stallion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the studio, yeah. Mr. Bill Cates. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bought your own sound effects. This is amazing. You know, that wasn't a, I don't I don't know that that was a sound effect, Dean. I think that was his uh, was... <laughs> I mean, imagine now we go through the whole show and Bill never says a word, but the the stallion says everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, Bill, anyone... welcome back to the show. It's great to have you here with us, man. Hey, it's good to be with you, nonsensical guys. If anybody is old enough to remember Mr. Ed, the talking horse, uh, probably you guys are way too young for that. I know of the lore of you Mr. You know Ed. of the lore. That's all right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. And uh, on, a, on a side note, if, you know, a lot of people, Dean, I think a lot of people think that we made this whole white steed up, but you do, in fact... Right. ride into the studio on a horse. Cause like, if I made it up, you'd absolutely be riding in on an ass because I feel like <laughs> right. that would be way more appropriate. <laughs> a disabled three-legged ass. <laughs> yes, that's right. There well, we you, go. Save those, you save those for the interviews. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So we gotta, we gotta move on with the show. We're almost three minutes in. We haven't talked about anything what? important whatsoever. This was the piece I look forward to. <laughs> yeah, actually, somebody told me, I can't remember who recently, one of our one of our listeners said, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of shows. And normally, you know, the first few minutes are just like, oh, like, come on, get on with it, you guys. But they're like, I look forward 
to those first few minutes of bullshit with you guys so much. So <laughs> there we go. There's... To our listeners' needs. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're just we're just trying to make a great show for the people who love us. So that right. that said, Bill, last time you were on the show, you were here talking about referrals and how businesses can grow with proper use of, you know, building relationships, getting referrals and things like that. And I thought it was absolutely outstanding. I've implemented a number of those things in my own business and it's been uh and it's been transformational. But the thing that you're here to talk about today is this concept of radical relevance and understanding how to create magnetic value propositions for your customers. And so very selfishly, I'm thrilled to dig into this topic with you. But before like we kind of go, you know, deep, do a deep dive, what what can we let everybody know? Like what does radical relevance even mean? Like what is that? Yeah, so Radical Relevance, the book, was born out of the challenges, the two of the main challenges a lot of business folks, salespeople, business owners face. And that is, number one, all the marketing message overload, right? There's just so much out there. It's so hard to cut through all the noise, right? The internet, kind of a double-edged sword, made it easier to get the message out. But because of that, now it's harder to get the message out. And the other is uh, really one of the things we all face in running a business and trying to acquire new clients or customers is inertia, meaning yeah. people are just stuck doing what they're doing. It could be nothing, could be avoiding, you know, fixing a problem. It could be using who they're using, even if they're not totally happy with them or don't realize they're not getting the, the, the best answers they can get. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to write a book that would help all of us get in touch with the people that we want to get in touch with. And what evolved from that is this idea of getting just so much more relevant with our message so that we spark the attention of someone, right? If, if here's what I learned, I've got chapter three in the books about neuroscience of relevance. And I learned a lot about the brain and, and the brain is six times a second going, you know, where am I, am I safe? Where am I, am I safe? And so because there's so much coming at it all the time, it's automatically creates a filter. And if something isn't perfectly relevant, it will just move on. It won't pay attention to it at all because its job is to keep the organism alive, conserve fewer calories, less energy. And so is that, you know, is that why I ha sometimes yeah. I have, I have trouble hearing when Dean talks on the show? Cause like, yes, well, totally just, irrelevant. So it turns yeah. him out. Yeah. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. I mean, you can do it, but you have to focus, right? You have to use those that energy. Very that hard. Yeah. I think it's more to do with that. I speak on a frequency at genius level. And you're not quite in that game, so you you just kind of tuned out because well, and, that, and that's out. your issue, Dean. You got to learn to, uh, you know, to, to dumb it down if that's what it. If you, you know, I, I once heard, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room because you won't learn. Or if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you know, you're probably pretty arrogant. So uh, I don't know if the shoe fits. You just can wear it. Well, either that or I hang out with James, and he's just a dumbass. Well, and, it's, and fun, but I don't fun. like the I don't like the direction this is taking. No. <laughs> let's, let's get back, James. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind being quiet, Bill and I are having a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, at right. your expense. So, um, so cu cutting through all of the noise really is the the concept of of radical relevance. That's right. It's really having the right message at the right time for the right person on the right medium, uh, so that you actually cut through. You earn the right to their attention, right? It's, it's, we got to earn the right to their attention by being relevant, by saying something that makes sense, that resonates with them. 
Otherwise, they're just off to the other message. And so if you send an email out to someone and don't get a response, if you leave a voicemail, voicemail is kind of dead anyway, and don't get a response, whatever, you send a mailing out, whatever it is, well, look, there could be something going on on the other party's side that has nothing to do with you, but we have to take ownership and we have to figure out, all right, maybe what I said to them just didn't resonate with them, right? Wasn't relevant enough for them to pay attention, wasn't compelling enough to move them to action. So, all right. So then, so that here we, so that, that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. The million dollar or multi-million dollar question <laughs> there we go. is how okay. do you do it? Right. Okay. How, how do you make sure that you're showing up in a relevant way? How do you create a, you know, value proposition or an offer or message or something that does cut through all of that noise? Like what, what are the steps to be able to do that? Yeah. So uh, I'll give them to you, give some short ones, and then we can dig deep with each one if you want. Um, so in case someone tunes out that, you know, they got what they wanted. Anyway. Nobody so tunes thing, out on this show. Of course yeah, not. That, that some of them are just tuning away. in. Uh, <laughs> all right. So the, the first thing is to make sure you fully know what your value proposition is. And that may seem kind of elementary, but it's not. A lot of people, I think, misuse the term value proposition. They see it kind of as just words for elevator pitch, right? Short way to talk about our value, but that's not the way I see value prop. Value prop is all the value we provide from the minute we meet someone, be it an internet lead, be it, you know, prospecting, whatever it is. We meet them, they're a prospect and they become a client and we serve them, that whole string of value. And what I, the, the firms that I work with quite often will sit together with the whole team or different representatives of the team and we just identify all those points of value, all the questions that we ask that bring value, all the things that we teach that bring value, the responsive service, all of that. And that becomes the value proposition. And from there, we start to refine our message and we start to communicate our message in a way that's relevant. So that's part of it. The other is some of the strategic decisions that need to be made, like narrowing our focus and our target market. Some businesses, a lot of solopreneurs, they kind of run around without a real target market. They think their product or service is for everyone. And of course, when you have a shotgun approach to marketing, you know, you're lucky if you hit anything. And so a lot of the book is about how to value of of narrowing your focus into a narrow, narrow, narrow target market. Usually the narrower, the better, as long as there are certain criteria there. And then from there, figuring out what is the bullseye within that target market. In other words, what is your right fit client or right fit customer? And then what you got to make sure you do is you start communicating your value in a way that will attract the right people, that bullseye that you want, will repel the wrong people, right? And I know it sounds like a strong word, repel, but really we only we want to be working with the people we want to work with and the others, we want them to self-qualify out so we don't waste anybody's time, ours or theirs. And, and then from there, we start to craft a message that really displays empathy for their situation. And that's one of the biggest tools in marketing is actually displaying empathy for those people. And, you know, we, our prospects want to have the the thought, ah, this person gets me. This person has a sense Mm of what I'm up against. That's how we earn the right to their attention. So that's, that's kind of the essence of, of drilling down and becoming radically relevant. So if you, so if you have, you know, you have an existing, existing business, right? Mm Because I think that some of these, some of these exercises and things for people that don't have any business are like, okay, well, I'm starting with a blank sheet of paper. I can kind of mm-hmm. figure this stuff out as I go. Mm-hmm. I imagine that for some who have an existing business, there's a level of fear 
when you say, okay, we're going to really narrow down who we're talking to and we're going right. to, we're going to zero in on it because then they're like, oh my God, but what about, you know, all the other people that we have been talking to mm. and the income that we're generating from those people? Like what, what happens to that? So how does this get sort of retrofit into an existing, an existing business that has existing customers where the message may not necessarily be as tight as it needs to be? Yeah. That's a great question, James. <laughs> it is a good one. Uh, Dean, would you like to take that one? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, you, if, if you decide to focus on the target market, you, you don't have to give up the work that you're doing. You don't have to give up on the people that you're serving. I mean, that could happen over time, potentially, but it doesn't have to. I'm talking about more what we're doing proactively, right? So if you have a great business and people are coming in through unsolicited referrals and introductions and all that good stuff that we talked about the last podcast, then that's good. And, and it doesn't mean you have to turn that down. But in terms of how your outward stroke to the rest of the world, having that target becomes pretty important. And the fear is this. If I just focus on this market, I'll give up all this other opportunity that I've been getting. Yeah. You know? yeah. And exactly. the truth is true, true that you might, I mean, because you're going to be focusing on this market, but if you pick a good market, the right one, you won't even notice let me, let me give you, if you don't mind, a couple of examples. First of all, from one who was, uh, now I do a lot of work with financial advisors, not all the work I do, but mostly professional services. And so I'll give you two examples. So Tom McDonald, when he was first getting started in his business, he went to a lot of veterans. A lot of folks have been out for a long time. And he says, you know, what would you do differently? How would you start over if you could start over? What and they all said almost to a person, I would stop trying to be all things to all people. I would have a niche. I would have a target market. And so he started off his business with that wisdom, with that knowledge. And so he has a very robust target market. And as a financial advisor, actually has a national reputation because of that. Now, I was talking, uh, writing an article about another advisor, a guy named Adam. And Adam had been in the business for about 12 years. He realized he needed to zero in a little more. He needed to focus to get his message through and to do the kind of work he wants to do. And so he said, all right, I'll do uh, white coat professionals. And what he meant by that was doctors, dentists, veterinarians, optometrists, maybe a couple others, but that was still too broad. And so he narrowed and narrowed and it turns out his wife is an optometrist. So it kind of makes sense that he started to focus on optometrists. But not only is he focusing on optometrists, he's narrowed down to his bullseye, which is optometrists who are going to sell their practice within five years to a private equity firm. Mm. I mean, that's about as narrow as one could get, mm. but there's plenty of those people out there. And what's happening is people are now reaching out to him. He's doing most of his business with Zoom. Uh, he's not even visiting with his clients uh, you know, in, in person and his clients don't care because he is the expert. He is the guy for them. It's incredible resonance and relevance to them. And he says he wished he had done it, you know, five, 10 years ago because of that. So that's, that's a perfect example, how you can narrow and then narrow a little more and narrow a little further and your business just takes off. And is that what you mean by the bullseye? Like the, yes. you know, the, the outer rings are sort of the optometrist, the, yes. and then you get finer and finer on the problem that these guys are trying to solve. Yeah, it could be, op it, you know, it, however you want to go. It could be, you know, white coat professionals. It could be optometrists. It could be optometrists thinking about selling a business. Someone could just stop at optometrists and probably do pretty darn well. And how they, you know, the questions they ask and how they talk about their value, uh, optometrists would immediately get. 
right? They'd say this, this guy knows our business a little bit because he's asking questions that are informed questions. And Adam's website is, it's an unusual for a financial advisor because usually advisors, you see clip art of retired people walking down the beach hand in hand and things like that, right? All clip art. But his is actually- I don't know, uh, I don't know why I just had an image of Dean walking down the beach. As an, as, <laughs> uh, uh, can we stop and re-record now? I mean, you totally yeah. blown. <laughs> I know. My, my, my mind's eye is ruined. Leading his horse with him, of course. Yeah, yeah hand in hand with his steed. <laughs> so anyway, you know, you go on, on Adam's or Todd's website and you immediately know who their niche is, right? There's no mistaking it. And so people that are not in his niche go, uh, not for me. People are in his niche go, oh, let me see more. And so here's a question. So, yeah. so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is that value proposition, is it, a, is it a marketing hook that brings people into the door? Like, because clearly he can serve other people and he's probably got a, you know, he's probably a smart guy and he's got a whole bunch of things that he can do. Mm-hmm. So is that, you know, like the introduction into his world? And it's because it's so sharp and focused and everything. Mm-hmm. It cuts through the noise and then he's able to offer them other stuff. Or does he, in fact, like, is that all he does? And and he's just like, oh, well, if you're not this exact person going through this exact thing, then, you know, I'm not even going to talk to you. Yeah, he's gotten to the point of the latter. He's gotten to the point of people don't fit the exact criteria of what he does. And, and I, in the book, I call it a right fit client, having a right fit client. And it's someone who you were meant to serve. It was meant to be served by you. Someone who appreciates your value for all the reasons you want to be appreciated. It's just the right fit. And actually, those people are generally speaking more of a joy to work with because we're doing the work we like to do. Mm. They're usually more profitable because we understand their world because we work with a lot of other people like that. And it, it, that's not something that happened right away. This is a, an evolution of a process. But no, if someone doesn't fit his world, then he has colleagues he, he sends those people to for, for goodwill. And so, but it, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It took, took time to get there. But because of that, he's always in kind of a joyful place around the work he does. And that's not always a, you know, you don't always hear the word joy in terms of prospecting and serving clients and building a business. Right? How often do you hear people talk about being in that joyful place? But when we're working with the right people, um, then we really are in that, in that place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I I'd, I'd just love to ask, like, obviously we, uh, I think James, did you just say about the fears behind like mm-hmm. sort of honing in and the, the worries people have maybe losing, losing opportunity or maybe cutting off revenue. What's the opposite side of that with, in terms of if people do zero in on a very specific you know, type well, of yeah, the opposite side is, is it's easier to, to identify the players in your niche, right? You know, you can, these days you can get lists of anybody, anywhere, any, anyhow. So if you want to start to doing some marketing and reaching out to people in more of a cold way, you can certainly do that because you can identify the people. And that's one thing you, you actually provide more value to those people, not just perceived value. Initially it's perceived value, but eventually it becomes real value again, because you know their world in a way that others, others don't. And because of that, you become more referable right? You, you earn the right to referrals and introductions more quickly. They know people like themselves. They see that you're targeting their market. So they have friendly competitors they'll refer you to. They have people that you think as a competitor isn't, and they'll refer you to those people. And so what happens is it gets easier. Sometimes I call this reputation marketing, where you create a reputation for yourself in a particular kind of niche, or as Dean would say, niche. And 
So when you do that, then you, you build a reputation and everything gets easier, more profitable, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the upside. Now you got to make sure you got the right target market. It's got to be big enough. It's got to have the financial capacity to take advantage of whatever you offer it. Right. Uh, it helps. It's to, narrow, there's only two customers on the planet for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Not, not, <laughs> well, unless they can both pay 10 millions each and then you well, retire. I mean, you know. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's got to be the right. Now, some people have more than one target market and you can have more than one target market. I, I've worked with companies where the sales force, each one of the salespeople has a very specific vertical market. I just finished a long consulting contract with a, an accounting firm where they had just kind of organically created about eight different vertical markets because of the expertise and the inclination of the partners. And what they brought me in to do was help with that messaging so they could go after those vertical markets more intentionally and more effectively and bring some of the other junior partners involved in that. And so formalizing those markets rather than it just being something that happened organically. So any firm can have more than one target market. I don't advise anyone starting out to pick more than one market at a time. Get established in one first before you start to do another one. Uh, and then you can also have a big market target. It could be a target market, but then it can divide up a little bit on its own. I know some people who target physicians. And then, of course, there's now there's nurse practitioners and, and, and other types of nurses like that who can you know, make good money and prescribe medicine. And so that's kind of a, a separate target. And what you want to make sure you do is, all right, let me, let me reverse and say, here's the mistake that people make. Most, most people, when they're creating messaging for their, their business, is they kind of err on the side of uh, opening the tent a little bit, expanding it a little bit. So I don't want to exclude these people and I don't want to exclude these people. Mm. But what happens every time you open up a little bit, you weaken your message. Mm. And so you're much better off identifying two or three markets and having two or three specific messages, one for each market. So each one can be effective rather than trying to put them all under a big tent. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like I feel like this conversation is kind of started at like the 30,000 foot view. Yes. We're saying, okay, you got to you got to cut through the noise because there's just too much and if you don't, nobody's going to hear you. Right. Talking about the 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 value proposition, the narrowing of the niche, like all of those things. If we were if we were to get down to a super tactical level or as on this show we call it the tips. <laughs> right? <laughs> just the tactics didn't sound quite as good. Um, so if we're to get down to the tips, like what's the, what's the, like the thing, the first thing that I, as a business owner should be doing in order to start moving in this direction? Yeah. So, so there's the strategic decisions, which we've kind of covered to a degree. It's, it's the target market. It's the ideal client. Uh, it's kind of the understanding the key problems you solve in that space. And then, then I have in the book actually a section on tactical relevance. And so now the tactical side of things is how we're reaching out to those people and the exact messaging that we're delivering. And uh, so there's a couple of things we can talk about. One is how do you, in a tactical way, differentiate yourself from competition without talking bad about other companies? Because usually you don't want to call into question decisions your prospects or clients have made in the past. Uh, by talking down the, the competitors, but you want to create a little differentiation. And so on a tactical level, I got this from uh, Karen Kopp, who wrote a book called Biz Dev Done Right. And it's all about creating that separation. And her formulas is this, 
and it's in the book with some examples, but it's most companies can, or most advisors can, or most whatever you are, whoever you are can, but only we can. So mm-hmm. it, you know, so from a financial standpoint, most advisors can provide financial products and, and services, but, but only we have a knowledge of your company's, you know, benefits package that no one else has. So only we can anticipate the problem, blah, blah, blah. So, and it, you can change those words only, only, you know, everyone can only a few can, you can adjust it, but that's how you separate yourself from everyone else without really talking bad about the others. Mm, I like that. I like and, that. And, it's like, Hey, here's what everybody else is doing, but here's the one thing that we're doing that right. nobody else is really doing. Important point on this. Whenever you're talking about differentiation, one, I have 17 rules of radical relevance in the book. And one of them is only differences that matter, matter. Meaning right. when you talk about what makes you different, it better have a, you know, make a difference to that person you're talking to. Otherwise it, it's, it's worthless. I, maybe it'll attract someone's attention, but you know, if there's nothing else there of substance, then, then you lose them. So, you know, I see a lot of people, especially solopreneurs building their business based on hobbies and interests in their favorite color and all these fun things. And there's nothing wrong with letting your personality show through. That's fine. But those differences don't matter, right? Mm. Only things that, that have a benefit associated. So that's, that's one of the ways to get tactical. I'll tell you another simple way is just doing some research before you reach out to anybody. I don't care who they are. Just do mm. some research. Now, totally. two kinds of research. Cold research, which is stuff you do on the internet, generally speaking, right? You look up their LinkedIn profile. You look up their, uh, their website, their profile on their website. You know, maybe you hover over their Facebook page a little bit, see what they reveal, but cold research. And some of that can be very, very, very helpful. And sometimes that's all you have. And then there's warm research and warm research usually is going to come from that referral source of yours and someone who actually knows that person. And so when you reach out to someone, don't copy, paste, copy, paste, take an extra 30 seconds and learn something about them. I just reached out to a magazine I want to write for. And there were two editors that I wanted that. So I went on their LinkedIn profile. I went to see where they went to school. You know, I just, I wanted to get a little something that I could bring up. And for one, I could say, Hey, I really liked the post, your last post on your LinkedIn profile about blah, blah, blah. So that's what will attract someone's attention, right? That's what will make a, 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 a one-to-one email really sound like a one-to-one email. Cause a lot of one-to-one emails, you know, start off not sounding like them. Yeah. And so it's the research that, that you do and display that you've done that, that will make the difference. Yeah. It's personalized. Well, and I think all of this is really coming back to like some foundational relationship principles. Sure. Right. Like, do I really understand, like I, people want to be understood. Right. And, and you can't appear to understand somebody if you don't actually understand them. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's all, it's all about context. Relevance is all yeah. about context. And if you don't have any context, then you're shooting in the dark, right? So, so what, what about these, um, you know, everybody has like a, a, you know, a mission statement or a value statement or something like that. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, I just think so boring and horrible, <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, we want to make the world a better place. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like, good. Thanks. Right. And <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, well, I think, you know, most people don't want to make it a worse place. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but then, but then some, some companies really seem like, you know, when you're like, Hey, what do you do? 
it like just like hits you square between the eyes. Oh, the the old what do you do question. Yeah, because everybody asks that question and you can kind of, you know, come up with something that sounds awful or it's watered down and nobody remembers you. Or you could say something that hits somebody square between the eyes and, you know, kind of causes them to lean in and be like, oh, that's really interesting. Tell me more. Right. And like how and, and, and I don't know if this is something that you you kind of researched or you have examples of, but how do you do the latter? Like, how can you yeah. create something where when somebody asks you that question, it really hits you square, hits some square between the eyes because like, oh man, this guy knows exactly what he does. Yeah. And, and I've seen a lot of people be silly creative to the point where, uh, so for instance, I, one financial advisor I heard once, he says, I, I just, uh, I tell people I'm a financial nutritionist and I'm like, <laughs> you know, okay. So if you think about it, you can kind of get it. Maybe you sort of get it right. But not really. I don't know. All I'm thinking with that is like, oh man, now I got to like go on a financial diet. And I gotta like, <laughs> there you go. Gotta eat too many right? more carrots than I want gotta to. Eat food I don't want to eat. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's the test. I, I call it the um, the billboard test. Do they have billboard tests in the U- billboards in the UK, Dean? Do they have things on the side of the road where signs and stuff? Yeah, I can't they quite like they do in the US, but they do. Yeah. They don't even have roads. They just like, they're, right. they're still sort of figuring things out. Well, that's not true. They just drive on the wrong side. So, <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> the, so anyway, the test is this, right? If, if the billboard does its job, then you read the billboard as you're driving by and you get the message and that's it. It, it resonates. But if you, if you don't get it for like 20, 30 seconds down the road, if they were trying to be a little too clever, then it, it has not done its job because you've missed the exit. And so what we want to do is make sure we talk in ways that already are in our prospects and clients' brain, that already resonate. We can't make them think too far because, again, back to the brain, the brain trying to keep the organism alive, doesn't want to spend any energy it doesn't have to spend. Confusing messages or slightly too creative messages confuse and the brain doesn't want to pay attention to it. So they have to work harder or not pay attention at all. And so how we talk about our value needs, we need to do it in a way that's already in the, can resonate already in the brain of, of who we're talking to. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be creative. So for instance, a financial advisor in, in Canada I was working with says, I help my clients create indestructible wealth. Now, you don't hear those words indestructible wealth together very often. I don't think I'd ever heard them together until I heard them from him, but you get it right. You understand what he means by that. And right. so you can be creative as long as it resonates immediately. So sometimes people say, what do you do? Sometimes we have to volunteer what we do if we're reaching out to someone in some way or in front of a room speaking or whatever. And so I have a little formula. I'll go through it real quick. It's in the book with lots of different examples, but it's my expertise is in, or I'm, I'm a specialist in, could be either one, my expertise is in, or I'm a specialist in, I work with who want to, for example. I work with who want to, for example. So I work with defines who you work with, defines your market. And that can change a little bit depending on who you're in front of, depending on the market, et cetera. Uh, who want to, whatever those people want are the benefits of the work that you do. So you're immediately conveying, conveying benefits in this statement, right? Mm. I work with podcast hosts that want to make sure great value is, you know, transferred to their listeners. And for example, and the for example is very important. Uh, the same, also with the other formula I gave you, the you know, anyone can, but only we can. You always want to have that for example because that takes 
what's kind of uh, sparse into, into a bit of a story, into a bit of an example, and people can see how it comes to life. And then you can have lots of different examples that fit lots of different situations. Now, when you're in a social situation, this for example can actually be how you start the conversation, right? If someone in a, at a party says, what do you do? You're not going to launch into your, well, I work with who want to, you know, you're not going to do that. It's not the right context, but you could say, well, you know what? Let me, let me give you an example. Maybe that's the best way, right? Or let me tell you a quick story. And that way you can get into a little more socially oriented conversation, convey what you do without, you know, having to do the formula. So that's, that's, that's what we provide in the book for the various types of businesses. I like that. I really like uh, driving that home with the example as well. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then it like, you know, brings it to life and, you know, people hear things, but then when you tell them a story or an illustration, they're like, oh, okay. I well, get the brain, it. Now. Yeah. The, the brain listens differently. I mean, it's totally, yeah. you, you, you engage a totally different part of the brain. And now you're. Well, I'm clear. Sorry. On the example piece, are we saying that you, you'd name an actual example? Say, you know, I work yeah. with who want to blah for example yeah. we recently worked with a client such as is that yes. what you mean you give an example yeah. of somebody you've actually served yeah and you can name drop if it's appropriate sometimes you got to be careful and if you name drop by the way make sure that business is similar enough to who you're talking to because i've you guys probably had this i've had this happen where people reach out to me and we you know we work with uh you know, Microsoft, we work with, you know, Canon, we work with all these large companies. And I'm thinking, well, I serve large companies, but I'm not one. Right. So name dropping can help you or hurt you. But yes, you tell a story, a little example. Yeah. I was with a client just yesterday and he was in a similar situation as yours. And this is what we did. And this is, you know, he was grateful and blah, blah, blah. Now, what I like to do in that, for example, if I can, I try to throw in the fact that I was referred or introduced to that person. I, yeah, I was working with these guys, James and Dean, yesterday, and I was referred to them by Bob Smith and da da da. Right, and what am I doing? I'm I'm inserting that that fact. We work through referrals, right? We people refer us, introduce us, which is a bit of a social proof thing. Uh, and so that's a little thing you can add into into that uh, to add a little more, uh, uh, you know, oomph to it, if you will. Yeah, you're like fighting with two swords at that point. That's yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's like lethal. They're like, Oh, this guy, I got to work with him. That's so good. I, um, I could, I could selfishly keep having this conversation for much longer than we have time for. So unfortunately I think we got to wrap things up, but before we do, Dean, do you have anything that you want to make sure we cover before we go? No, I just, uh, I'm the same as you. This, this feels like one of those subjects we could just keep going on. Like, you know, what's been fascinating for me going through this, uh, you you all know some of this, James, but so we've got a couple of companies. I'd say in one company that we've, we started in 2010, we, we sort of started broad in, in our appeal and didn't really hone in on a specific type of customer that we were going to serve. And probably in more recent years, we're now starting to say, okay, well, let's get a bit more specific here because this is a big old market. Now, interesting, mm. we started a, another company in a, in a completely different industry in the last few years. And we've actually done things the opposite way in that. We've gone now very specific because it is of such a competitive market. And in order for us to even get into that market and stand a chance, we decided we've got to be really specific so it's clear who we serve and try and not really have competition because there's not many people doing what we serving who we serve in the way that we say it. But we have the viewpoint in that that if we can carve out our own piece within that business, within that industry, maybe we can sort of broaden out later on. And it's just sort of, uh, we're using that 
specific approach to get into the industry. So this has been really timely for me because it's such a hot topic on my mind at the minute. So thank you, Bill. It's uh, been amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, and and so so you guys, you know, we've been talking about Bill's new book, Radical Relevance. Definitely go check it out. But just as like a, you know, a, a case in point, the subtitle for the book, I feel like hits you square between the eyes. Sharpen your marketing message, cut through the noise, win more ideal clients. You're like, oh, that's exactly what this is about. This sounds great, right? right? So I think that's, uh, you know, it's just sort of a, a testament of, you know, practicing what you preach, but I can't, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten some, some preview of the book, but I haven't read through the whole thing yet and I'm dying to do so. So thank you. Uh, thank you again for being on the show with us. And for those of you guys who want to get a copy of uh, Bill's book, I know it's available on Amazon. Is there any, any other place people should look for it or is that the best? Yeah. Place yeah. I mean, Amazon certainly naturally and it's in audible and, and, and Kindle and, and a paperback, but uh, we do have a website. Uh, if you want to look a little more about the book first, uh, radicalrelevancebook.com and I also have a, a new guide we just put out for all your listeners it's free if they want to go get it that really incorporates a lot of some of the things we're talking about here as well as my referral stuff it's kind of a nice packaging of a lot of the the things I talk about and it's not a sales piece it's a, it's a value oriented piece uh, you can just go to exponentialgrowth.com exponential awesome. I'm sorry exponential growth guide sorry exponentialgrowthguide.com and it's all the different ways you can create exponential growth for your business. Yeah, awesome. That's uh, that's amazing. Exponentialgrowthguide.com. Yes. Great. Well, thanks uh, thanks again for being here, Bill. And congratulations on being one of the very few people who rode into our studio also on a horse. Not not quite to the magnitude of the noble steed, but but uh, but I thought that was pretty impressive and uh, <laughs> probably not soon to be topped by anybody. <laughs> I'm calling. I'm talking to you guys. I'm going to have some fun. <laughs> Good. Well, what better way to do it than ride in the studio on a horse? So with that said, thank you guys for listening to the show. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you tell your friends and family about us. Leave us a review, and we will talk with you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.